my husband is on assignment, many of you know, and uh, he is traveling all across the land, really. And with him, he's bringing seed from you, and he's sticking it in the soil. And he's been putting $1,000 in every hand that Yahweh directed him to. And I was privileged to be on two of those trips and those assignments. And when he did that for the first time, I heard in my spirit, perpetual 100%. And I was like, what does that mean? And I saw that the man he was putting in his hand, I, I saw his, his desires, his dreams, his hopes. And I saw them, one, a dream would come out and 100% would strike hands with it. And another dream would come out and 100%. 100% is moving from this place beyond. 100%. Not 25. You don't almost make it. I hope you hear what I'm saying, churches. <laughs> it's good news. You don't almost make it. 100%. You facilitate 100%. And then it just perpetuates. And it multiplies in ways that you can't even imagine. And it comes back to you 100%. So that's what he's busy doing. He's also, Yahweh showed me that he was on a journey of unity. He's looking for unity. And last week, he ended the service with a scripture in Revelation that talked about the unity of language and a people that were one. Do you remember that? And it wasn't when I seek you, I'll find you. Um, but in that scripture, the point was the father sent angels to scramble it all up and then they were all dispersed, right? Because they weren't about his business. But the statement that was made was nothing is impossible. And as soon as he read that, I thought, wow, there's a mystery in there for us where there's a unity of language, where the people are one Nothing is impossible. So when we are in Christ, together, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Like that gives you the freedom to dream, to try things, to take risks. Hello, churches. You guys out there? All right, good. You should be dreaming. You should be trying new things. There's new things opening up for you to go and have fun and experience. 100%. So he's about the Father's business, and so are we. And um, today, I wanted to come with evidence of what he has asked us to do. And so he has come, my husband, if, you, if you're new today, he has come, and he has scrambled things up. We didn't even have chairs there for a minute. For a minute. Now we do. But... Um, but he, his desire is for us not to come in and, like we're doing right now, me speak and you listen and sit in your chair and then we all go home. His desire is for us to become the church. There's this newness in him, this, this thing that's breaking forth. It takes on a new form and you are the people that aren't afraid of that. So that's why when we come in and there's no chairs, we're like, well, there's no chairs today. When you come in, we're going to the park. Let's go to the park because you're willing. So we have been exhorted to get outside the walls for 10 years, <laughs> right? 
about 10 years we've been doing that. And just now, he said, enough is enough. So in other words, I feel like we had a little grace time to kind of figure it out. And now he wants us outside these walls. And when we gather, we come to testify of what he's done. We come to testify of the lives that have been changed through your church. What needs have you met? What questions were you the answer to? That's what these times are going to be. And together, we're going to impact the world. Like we've already blown up Central Florida and I see the world. This is something that is global. And I know you may be like, wow, what was in her coffee? I can tell you the truth was in my coffee. And I brought the truth today for you. Okay, I have. So at the beginning of this year, he told me that we are finishers and we are builders. And I didn't see how those two met because they seemed completely opposite. Like you finish, you know, and then I thought, oh, maybe we're finishing this. And then on that, we're going to build this. But I didn't put any thought to it. I just received that word. I held it in my heart and I walked. And then um, the father, he speaks to me in, in different ways. But this one experience that he allowed me to do and, and, and to be a participant in is what I have brought today. Before I share mine, though, I want to open the table, the floor, the opportunity for the churches, for you to begin, and, and this may be very uncomfortable for you, and that's okay. He's not here today. We can mess up. The live stream can be off. We could sing songs for 45 minutes if we want to. <laughs> I don't say that lawlessly, but there's freedom here. And so no need to be afraid. You need to be uh, square your shoulders and speak on behalf of your church. What have you been doing? What, what is it that he has assigned you to this past few weeks? Bring the evidence today. I brought my evidence, but I want you to have opportunity to share your evidence. So who will be first? Sam will. All right, Sam. I'm gonna stand out here a little. All right, so um, as most of you know, and I'm, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but we did this homeless outreach, and it was amazing. It was so fun. So many people came out. It was great. But I just want to highlight a point about that. That was not my idea. I planned it, but it wasn't my idea. That idea was brought to me by someone in the house, Austin Graham. But it was brought to me by someone in the house. And I just want to extend that invitation to everyone in here. I know that I oversee the missions that we do here in this house. I, I see that, but I know that everyone in here has dreams, just like we've been talking about dreams. I'm not the only one with dreams. I, I can help all of you in some, and as much as I can try to fulfill these dreams. So if someone has a dream about, maybe it's, it's a big dream that you think there's no way, but maybe it's something like I want to, to run a hospital. That's something I've heard. Or or do something with, with shelters or for um, students and schools. I can't go buy a hospital, and I'm not a doctor, but I can help you organize a clinic. I can help you 
do some sort of after-school tutoring program, I can help you, and that's what I want to do, and I want to challenge and, and, and charge everyone in here. Don't feel limited, and don't feel like you have to wait for me to tell you, all right, give me this, and I'm going to do this, or we're going to do this. I'm open to hear anything, and I want to, and I want to help everyone in here fulfill their dreams and their purpose. I, if I have ideas and dreams, I want to bring these forward as well, and everyone can join me, but I want to join with you. It's not one person, just like Steve, he's our visionary, and he sees where our house is going, but he wants us to get outside and to do stuff, all of us, not just him, and it's not just he, do, he does the talking and we're over here in the side like, yeah, what he said. Like he wants us to come up there with him and do things. And maybe he won't be here some days. So then who's going to step up and do things? And I know that I want to step up and I want all of you to step up as well. And I want all of us to get outside the walls. I want all of us to make a difference. I don't want people to just know the Rock of Central Florida as just a title and a name. I don't want people to just know Sam Schof, just know Steve Parker. I want people to know Gas in Glasgow and, and Archie Phillips and Norris Davis. I want everyone to know everyone. And, and that's what I see and that's what I want moving forward in this house. If, if you have any dreams and you think, I don't know how I can do it, but if it's a dream and it's something that you're passionate about and that you want, bring it to us. Not just me, but to Steve or to anyone. Just bring it forward and let's see what we can do. I really see that. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we didn't get to testify, though, about your um, homeless, the mission that we did. And I know for me, I attach myself to that. I've just attached myself to everybody's mission, whatever they're doing. Oh, I'll cook here. Yes, give this there, whatever. I just want, I just want to do it. And so you know, I'm doing it. So I went out there with Sam. And what's funny is uh, I, ha I wanted to, I wanted it to be so good. This was his first thing, you know, and like I've received him. He's my son. He's a gift. And I just want to get behind him and, and, and help him whatever I can do. And so we got there to the place that he had um, called. And by all appearances, there was not a homeless one among us. I mean, I'm looking like there is no homeless. This is, what, what, what are you going to do? Okay, I got it. I am going to fix it. I will fix it. Jenny, let's get in your car. Let's drive down to the lakefront. Let's find some homeless guys really quick while they're setting up. Then we'll go tell Sam and we'll, we'll go. So, well, boy, was I rebuked. We didn't even make it halfway to the waterfront. And I've got my niece calling saying, where did y'all go with the bags? They're gone. All our bags are gone. We're running out over here. And I was like, oh my God. I was so sad that what I had done, I saw quickly. So I, we hurried, hightailed it back. Jenny was driving. It was great. We made it back in record time and unloaded the thing. But do you know what he, what, what he did? He, he took the bags. I don't know if this was communicated to you guys, but he wasn't Initially, we had the table and like, you know, come to us, homeless people. We have presents. It wasn't like that at all. They began to take the bags and take them back into the woods. They found a community back there. And I mean, like when I say a community, I went back there. I was like, wow. And Sam's just grinning. He just found all of them. And I was just like, oh, man, you know, because you've got to bypass this. But these people were so receptive of us and Sam 
and Jacob, is Jacob in here? He's next door. He was amazing. And, um, but it, it really ministered to me. I know, um, with my sister-in-law, she, she was like, I didn't know what to do. So I just started saying, can I hug you? So she's hugging all these prostitutes, hug, hug, love, love of the father. It was beautiful. And, um, there was a guy, he was sitting in his little chair. He was old and he had a stick and a lighter and a, um, cardboard box. And he would, set his little stick on fire, and he was just busy. He was busy, busy, and at the end, he held it up, and he had drawn a portrait of Chad, and it looked just like him. Like, it wasn't like some smeary, messy thing. It was Chad, and it was, you know, in their way, they were giving back to us for coming to them, and it wasn't like Sam knew that COVID had shut off all the missions in the streets, but guess what? COVID has shut off all the missions in the streets. No one's out there. No one has visited these people. So here we were, this prime opportunity, and not at our really cute table waiting for them to come, but we were taking it back to where they had little trash can fires happening and drugs in the air and all the stuff was happening. And we didn't care because we weren't there to straighten them out. We were there to love on them. We were there to extend hope and to give them things they needed. And it was such a powerful experience. And um, I know we never got to get together to testify. I know he had you at the park testify. But as one of your worker bees, first I had to repent. But secondly, once I lined up, I really enjoyed the experience. It was amazing. And um, one of the little, another guy, he told me, and I think it was either Sam or Jacob, he said, Everybody stays under the branches of that tree. There's like a huge oak tree. He said, but the best spot is in the tree. And I was like, yeah, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is, buddy. (laughs) And I knew that's my language. Get in Christ. Position yourself in the Father. And then you can spread out anywhere you want. So it was such a unique, spiritual, fun, happy experience that um, I can't wait to go back. But anyway, bless you for that. And that was my testimony. Okay, next. I have other testimonies, so it's not going to just be me. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Bless the Lord. You know, I, I, I kind of hesitated because I didn't know if, you know, uh, what's in my heart is for the house, but it is a testimony. And that's what I want to do. I want to testify to you about a deliverance. And maybe um, it's something that you've gone through. But I know it will bless you if you will hear it. Because even as we were singing, as I wasn't singing, but as we were worshiping together and we began to sing about abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, and we've, as a church, we have said that, but we have not understood the depth of that enough in this fullness because when you are in a shadow it's not just a shadow where you can see some light but it's a shadow that takes away all light you cannot see it and you cannot be seen but it causes you to to your 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 senses to be heightened beyond the things that are natural but to those things that are spiritual And the best example I could give you of that is a mother hen. 
whenever there's danger around, all the chicks run and they hide under the feathers and the fleece of the mother hen, and they can't see anything. But because their senses are so connected to that mother hen, no matter where that mother hen walks and how she walks and how she moves, all the biddies stay underneath her and they move with her. And that's the same way when we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We can't see. We don't know the danger that's out there. But at the same time, the danger cannot see us. But we are so connected to the Father that no matter how he moves, we flow and we move with him. And I said that to say, you know, my quick testimony is this. I remember when I first started seeking the Father, I didn't understand the shadow. I didn't understand the darkness. So <clears throat> I had prepared to seek the Father, not clean my dorm and I, I cleaned up everything and I because I wanted it to be just great. I wanted it to be presentable to the Father. And I was there by myself. I had an opportunity and so I turned my lights off but there was still moonlight enough so I could see in the room. And um, and I just got on my knees and I began to worship. I began to pray. And the more, it, and I mean, it was intense. I've never experienced anything like that. And I was, man, I was like, I was loving it. But then all of a sudden, the, I believe the name is Afril. The darkness that Yahweh abides in entered the room. And it was more than just dark, but it was to the point where I remember doing this and not being able to see my own hand. And I couldn't even see the objects in my room anymore. And I could feel the heaviness of the darkness. And in my seeking, I became afraid. Fear took over. And I began to say, no, no. I don't want that. No. And I said no until it left. And when it left, I get up, turned on all the lights because I was like, man, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. But that one God. <laughs> but it was for the Father. And I carried this testimony. I mean, I carried that all the way until just recently. Until last, a few weeks ago, Steve asked us, what does the dark represent? And I said evil. <laughs> yeah. Because <clears throat> in my ignorance, that's what I've learned. You know, dark is evil, man. And I didn't understand that darkness that took place in that room that day. And I've always related darkness to evil. So if you... Well, y'all don't know me that well enough to live with me, but <laughs> but my wife will tell you, anytime it gets quiet and the room is dark or whatever, I have to have something in the background. I have to have a sound. I have to have some noise going on because I don't like dark and silent. I didn't like darkness and silence together. And and I and I for years, all the way up until Recently, I struggled with that. I needed to hear something. And growing up, it was my, you know, it was my fan, 
or it was a television. It didn't have to be loud, but just enough that I could hear it. Something had to be going on in that darkness that it couldn't be silent. But after, uh, after the conversation and after the message, it, it caused me to remember that experience. I never forgot it. I never forget it. And um, I've always re-remembered it many times and wondered what, was, what, what, what could I have done differently? Why was that such a, a horrible experience for me? But recently, I've learned, and, I, and you may have read them many times before, but I've just been reading simple scriptures where the Father uses darkness. Darkness is synonymous with the Father. And out of all the times I've been growing up learning about the Father, I've never put the two together. Never. Every time I think of God and I think of heaven opening up, Yahweh and heaven open up, I see lights. Ah, you know, angels singing and stuff. That's what I had come to believe. What my experiences should have, what my experience should have been like that day. And because it was nothing like that, it was totally opposite of what I had believed. It frightened me. But here's what I know today, and here's what I want to share with you today about my victory, about my overcoming. I know that when the scripture talks about when the heavens open up and Yahweh makes his make appearance, he'll be riding the dark cloud. Not only that, but there's a, he's, he says, I'm in the darkness. And he uses the darkness. Here's what he does. He said, I have not given you the spirit of fear but of sound mind. And the darkness is the one thing I know will bring the fear out of you. But if you can, if you can believe enough, trust enough, man up, and not allow the fear to overcome you, but hear and be still and know that Yahweh is in that darkness, because if I truly abide in the shadow of the Almighty, it's complete, it's darkness. There's no way for me to look out and peek and see what's going on. It's not for me to know that. And, and I know this sounds simple to you, but I want you to understand something. Darkness sometimes represents your everyday life when you're going through things and you don't know how it's going to come to pass. Having faith enough to continue to walk because you don't see because you don't understand. Sometimes darkness is so dark and your eyes are wide open and you still can't understand what's going on around you. But to continue to move forward with a sound mind, not allow your fears and your emotions to overtake you, but to remain sounded, to remain strong. And you know what? I, I, it, it, it sounds so simple for a big old grown man like myself to tell you that I invite the darkness. I'm not afraid of what the darkness brings because I know who's in the darkness. Not only is he, is he hiding me, but he's also revealing me. He's showing me who he is in the darkness. And when I come out, man, it, it's... It's fantastic. 
I know that it's going to be glorious. And you know what? I, I, I sit now and I just sit now and I think, man, I'm ready for that darkness. I need to see it. I invite it. You know, and, and I, I just long for it. And I know that it's coming. I know that it's coming. And even the thing that I'm going through now is so dark. I was talking to my wife this morning. I said, babe, I don't know where I'm at. Sometimes I feel like I'm in limbo with this whole thing. And my heart is broken. <laughs> because I don't see what I used to see. But I understand. Sometimes it's just a darkness. Sometimes it's just a shadow. And I'm just going to be still, y'all. I'm going to move with the Father. I'm going to know he's in it. And I'm going to abide. So I encourage you today. Invite the darkness. When you walk into the darkness and it's a dark place, don't run from it. Continue to abide in it and allow your senses to be heightened and a sound mind. Because that way, when your senses are heightened beyond the natural and into the spiritual things, you can feel how the Father moves. You don't even need your eyes. Close your eyes and just flow with him and walk like he walks. Talk the talk that he talks. Hear the sounds that he hears. Feel the emotions that he feels. Love what he loves and hate what he hates. That's how you know, and you will be okay. That is my testimony today, y'all. I will be okay. Amen. Amen. You don't have to be a preacher to testify. But here comes another one. <laughs> um, I just want to testify about Dine, um, just because <laughs> it's amazing to me what he's doing, just amazing <laughs> to me what he's doing. And though it is kind of a business for me, I guess, I never ever, what, what I've experienced through my practicing and learning about the yoga practice and how it relates to the kingdom and how y Yahweh's original intent, it has just opened up so much for me. And I just want to share that. And then the fact that I've been able to do that here has been amazing. And so what I want to say is just by me stepping out into a very super duper uncomfortable place. And let me tell you, it was Kim Parker who was like, nope, we're, we're going to have you teach. <laughs> and I was like, um, are you sure? I don't think I'm ready. But, you know, we, we need each other sometimes to say, you don't see it in yourself or you, you don't think you're ready but you're ready. You're ready. In fact, every single night, these past, what, three times we've done it, or four times, three times, I guess, total, or four times total, every single time I'm getting ready to do it, I am literally shaking. I am so nervous. I talk to my grandbaby. She's the one who will listen to me and, and just say, Jamie, you don't have to be nervous. You just relax. <laughs> but I remember my son had talked about, you know, if you're not on that edge, if you're not trembling, you know, you, you need to go a little bit further. And I just want to testify that every single time we've had dine, <laughs> it has ministered to me, but the testimonies that have come from just that hour to hour and a half's worth of time, I can't even, I could not have even imagined what he would do. I mean, I knew it was going to be good, but it's so good. So I just encourage you to step out into those places where you are uncomfortable because he's designed you to do that. He's designed you. So that's my testimony.
And it is so good. It is beyond good. In fact, I'm going to share a testimony out of your testimony soon. But that, and that's so right. You know, we need each other. Pay attention to what she just said. You know, you can do it. If you wait, I mean, how long are you going to wait? You know, it's in you. That's why you're here. You have God-given talents, abilities. In fact, it's beyond you. That's why you're like, oh, I can't do it. That's right. You can't do it. So you should. It's amazing. And when you're doing what you can't do, there is no better feeling. Like, that's where I live. I'm like, I can't do that. Okay, here we go. Only by his word, of course. But when you are in that vein and, you're, and you know, you're like, I can't, I can't do this. But look at this. That is the most amazing, to me, glory that's assigned to him because it's evidence of the supernatural. And so with Tamara, every time she's up here telling us, because I know the behind the scenes, I, I've heard her heart. I know how she felt. We'd had a practice with just four of us just so she could talk herself through everything. It was so great. And, and she's amazing. And I see what the Father sees in her. And so you need to see what the Father sees in you and in those you're joined to and breathe life into dreams. Breathe life into faith. Breathe, breathe life into motion. It's time to move and get outside and do what's in your heart. And we have a building to do it in. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Anyway, okay, testify. Anyone else? Yes, come, Christian. I don't have a watch, and that's really dangerous, too. Is that the time, 11.14? Okay. Hey, everybody. Um, I just wanted to say, like, my testimony and stuff, like, um, I, I do a lot of, you know, things around the house. I mean, I, everybody kind of does, you know, during these times, but... Um, I spend a lot of time outside, um, primarily, you know, just with the stuff I'm doing, like gardening, like doing um, bonfires and stuff. But um, like the longer that I I'm, I'm out there and and all that stuff, I did a whole bunch of research, and you learn all of these things from like an academic standpoint. You know, you learn like pH and all this other stuff. But the longer you spend time you know, just around it, just like experiencing and like looking at like the actual growth and how how things actually interact together. You know, you, you, you stop looking at it like from an intellectual standpoint and you actually gain wisdom, you know. So rather than looking at something and taking in all the facts and, you know, piecing it together, you know, you're actually able to stick your hand in there. You know, you can just tell with your senses, you know, something's maybe not right, maybe something's wrong, and you're able to adjust, you know. It becomes like a like a part of your very soul, you know. So I, I think, like, the Father's a lot of the same way, you know. Um, you know, you, you hear the words, you know, you piece everything together, but um, it becoming second nature is just, it's very powerful, you know. And, and it, it's a way for everybody to, you know, once it's second nature, you know, you're able to introduce something else. You know, I think that's that's something natural within everybody that um, after a certain period of time, everything becomes second nature. And um, I think that um, I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. It's amazing. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you, Norris. We, it's good. 11.17. We're doing good. <laughs> 
Um, can I sit down here? Um, so, uh, let's see here. I had wrote this down because uh, it like it was like a marked day for me. Like it, I just wrote. I, if you don't know me, I like to write. Like I write a lot. Um, and I wrote this down. It's only gonna take like three minutes to read. Um, but super important stuff here. So let me go on ahead and start reading it. And um, so I woke a few weeks ago. I woke up in the morning, which was um, let's see. I woke up in the morning. I started speaking to the, I started speaking to the Father, and uh, that's like how I start every morning. And um, but it's crazy because it's like right after. I was done speaking with the father and I was kind of like about to start going about my day. I was so angry. Like I was very, very upset. I was like uh, in a really bad place. And um, so I was in a really dark place. I honestly was about to take a big jump, a jump that could potentially uh, put me and my family's life in a, in a situation where uh, I wouldn't know how to get us out of. <laughs> um, and uh, and it would have just been based off of my choice in uh, flesh. Um, so um, a jump. It was a jump that could have potentially ruined me and my family. Uh, and for the first time in my life, the I gave the enemy a foot in the door. Um, I wasn't being a demonstration. If an angel or even Yahweh was looking at me, uh, I was almost positive they would have seen an evil villain. Um, I honestly had never been so low at, at that point in my life. And this was only a few weeks ago. So Yahweh did all, the, everything I'm going to read to you here is like a span of three hours, but it's very fast. Because, um, <laughs> uh, and this is just a testimony of how fast he works. He doesn't take any time. Um, and uh, so I honestly had never been so low in my life. Uh, it was an anger just built up. Um, I was ready to explode. If anyone would have stepped to me the wrong way that day, it would have been a bad day for me. It would have ended really bad. Uh, so, um, so I was at home and I saw my wife and she was getting ready for work. Uh, but like any man, you don't want your wife to worry, so you have the ability to change your body language on the spot. <laughs> um, I sat down wanting her. <laughs> I sat down wanting her to take. Want, uh, waiting to take her to work. As I was driving her and Tobias to work, uh, my wife felt it in the car. Your wife feels those kind of things. You don't, it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, <laughs> um, so as I was driving, so uh, she has the anointing to feel a disturbance in me, and that's why I love her. Anyway, my wife asked what's wrong, and I told her, I'm just angry at the world. Uh, I feel like I'm just not qualified to do what the Father wants me to do. I feel like I just, things just aren't going to line up for me. Like, I was just really angry at where I was at because I hold myself to a standard that most people look at me and they're kind of just like, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> so, like, she, uh, and then she told me, you can get through it, babe. You always get through it. But she didn't know that this was a different type of anger that I had. Like, it wasn't just, like, one of the ones that you always just are angry about, right? And, uh, so I wasn't safe around anyone. Like I, I, I was gonna, I said I needed to be alone. Um, it was such a scary thing to know that for the first time I was a dangerous person and I'm not known to be that. 
Um, that, and I was shaking of frustration the whole time. So I went to grab breakfast, um, mainly because, you know, food makes everyone happy. Uh, so as I, grabbed the, as I grabbed the bag from the drive-thru lady, Yahweh pushed into my thoughts, and he said, uh, he said, call your dad. He's who you need right now. He's prepared for you. Um, this is the man that named me after himself, although he wasn't my biological, uh, who I haven't actually met yet. He is the closest thing to one. Uh, as I paid for my food, the older, dri the older drive through lady, who is pretty used to me going through there, she said with all the soul in the world, she said, you okay, baby? <laughs> and... Uh, and I remember telling her, if I am not now, I think I will be. Um, so I grabbed the food and for sure broke the law driving home because my dad and I haven't, spoke, talk, or haven't, haven't talked in so long. Uh, before I got on to 46, I messaged him. I said, hey, Dad, it's Norris. The Father has led me to you at this very moment, and I need you. Um, he replied, and four minutes later, he said, hey, big man, uh, call you in 30 minutes, which was 9 a.m., and he called me literally at 9 a.m. And there was a father-son moment I was going to experience for the first time in my life, and I was shaking of anticipation. As I got home after I ate, my father called me, and we talked. And he started off by talking about, uh, talking about my son, Tobias, and my wife, and how blessed I was. And at that very moment, I was rebuked because I was like, man, look at all these amazing things in my life. But it was just like, I let something cloud it, and, and, I, and, I was, and that's something that I don't ever do. So this was a day of things that was new to me in a really bad way. I didn't want to happen. Um, so I, my dad was a believer, and I believe right now, or is a believer, and I believe right now he's 50 years old. Anyways, he asked, what's going on with you? Um, I know you wanted to talk. So I poured out to him, and I told him everything about you know, everything that's gone on in the past years since we've talked on the phone before. And, um, you know, I just told him everything. Um, it's a bit easier when you get to talk to somebody that, you know, pretty much raised you. <laughs> so um, so, she, uh, so he, he said, the first thing he said after I told him everything, he said, I love you, Norris. Um, I'm sorry for dealing. I'm sorry you're dealing with these things without my guidance. He said, I never knew this about you. Um, he said... You're a blessing, Norris, and um, he said, uh, he said, you have a high standard, and that's why you feel this way, um, and I believe in you. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't the response that I wanted, but it was the response that I needed. It was like halfway in between, because um, a part of me was like, I want you to like, I want my dad to like, I, wanna, I want you to feel like empathetic for me. But he was being a man because I was a man. But I never really uh, acknowledged, I never felt that as a kid. So I kind of was like, I want that right now at 25 years old. But he gave me that man-to-man -man, uh, response, which I was so happy that he did. Um, and he said, sorry, he said, uh, so I told him, I pretty much told him all of like what my plans and everything that I want to do and how I want to change the world and about the church and where I attend and things like that. And, um, and uh, he just told me he believed in me, and he said, he could, you can do it. He said, he said I know you can. He said, uh, he said, I wish I knew this about you a long time ago. And, and like, 
I almost was like, man, why did he not stay in my life? You know what I mean? And I, um, I could only imagine where, where things could have been, but that's like, that's where I had to shift my thinking because I was like, Yahweh, he would have never, I'm in a position like this for a reason. And um, so he encouraged me to do what the Father is, is calling me to do, and he encouraged me to stop uh, robbing people of what's on my heart, and, and he, he encouraged me to rebuke the spirits that caused me to feel bad um, for wanting to do things that almost seem impossible to others because, because I look for that in others when I tell them things. I want, I want others to come sometimes be like, oh, yeah, for sure, you got that. But it's something I never, it's rare that I get that sometimes. And that's not saying anything about the people I'm joined to, but it's just true. It's just true. And um, he, uh, so he told me he was going to continue to call me back and check on me and uh, things like that. And he was actually going to start making an effort to talk to me. Um, so at this very moment, the testimony that I feel like was meant for me to put in into this, put me into this situation was that I'm starting a relationship with my father in my mid-20s, and the feeling is amazing. I, I always tell people, <laughs> I always tell people who, uh, <laughs> who talk about it, and I'm like, I'm doing pretty darn great without my dad. <laughs> and then, I, but now I can say I'm doing much better with him in my life. And um, I encourage you all today to lay hold of what the father has called you to do um, and understand that it's not going to look exactly uh, like what you may have thought. And what Yahweh has called you to do isn't always something that people are going to lay hold of. Um, he gave you that perspective for you. Um, if you share it with people, there might only be three out of the ten that are like, yeah, for sure, you got that. And um, But uh, don't let that cause you to disobey and ignore uh, the calling of the Father when those kind of things happen. Um, you're qualified because he says you are. So um, I encourage everyone, like, when you have that in your life, to scream from the mountaintops and say that Yahweh, your yes, is my yes. And, and, and that is the testimony. And what I'm going to be doing now in my life is um, I, I'm, 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 I'm good with computers. I'm not, like, amazing. But uh, I'm going to start making content online. And, um, and yeah, so, like, I, I really want to, uh, there's a people out there that, um, that are not my peers on an everyday basis that I feel like where we're headed in a direction right now where we're getting outside the walls is super relevant because um, there's people everywhere that need your ministry that's on your heart. And um, we can really work together on that, and we can really stop, don't feel bad that, it's you who's doing that, um, because there's someone right on the side of you and right on the left, right on the left, the right of you and the left of you who's doing the same thing but in a different form. So it's time, I feel like we should definitely um, see it that way, but also understand that um, oh, you're doing that, you're doing it that way because that's how he called you to do it. And, uh, it's, and, and many will lay hold of it, many are not going to. And um, one thing Steve said one time in one of our meetings was that, like, we'd be fools to think if they were going to all lay hold of what our vision or what, our, what we want to do is. And um, so that's what I encourage you all to do. And uh, I'm super excited uh, for that is my version of getting outside the walls that I wanted to share with you guys. And that's how it kind of led up to that. 
Um, I felt like it was really not going to be a way for me to even get to a point like that um, based on my idea of being qualified. But in reality, the Father's permission is the permission. And um, who's on your throne? You have to make sure that he's on your throne. And uh, so I just wanted to share you guys with that and uh, love you guys and thank you. Thank you. So the Father is shifting our thinking. And it's going from wanting, me, 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 what about me? This is how I feel. This is what I want. This is what I want. Where's mine? Where's mine? This is shifting to serve, identify, be assigned to be the answer. So I want you to shift your thinking after today. It's no longer what about you. It's what about them. It's what am I assigned to? It's what am I called to? You don't question are you able to because you're not. Let me just answer that. You're not able to do it. You cannot do it. In him is where you do it. Not with you. So we got to get us out of the way. All of our likes, dislikes, fears, ambitions, and those are selfish, by the way. And we are, we are morphing into him. We are, we are taking every breath, every, every intention, and we're aligning it with heaven. We're aligning it with his limitless power and becoming a river that can flow and be the answer, that can flow and is equipped fully, not because you earned it or had some major revelation, but because he's God. And because you're in him and he's in you. Okay? So shift, churches. Shift today. Shift. Our eyes have to be out there, not in here. Out there, not in here. Out there, not in here. If you stay in here, you'll never leave. Do you understand? If you stay in here, you'll never leave. It's a cycle. It's this. When he's calling you to this, there's a difference. This gives you the same feeling over, oop, up, down, oop, up, down. This is a cycle. He's calling you to this, to be concentric. So, it's so fun. I'm not trying to be ugly. I told the father that. I said, I want to be happy and joyful. <laughs> but I have a little stick in my hand for some of you. Um, and it's good. It's a good stick if you'll respond to it. But it's with love. And it's because the possibility that is in you, the things that are in you, I, I, I want to see it come to its fullness. Do you understand? I want to see you go beyond your limits. I want to see you functioning in places that you don't know how to do it. That you have to Google, what does that mean? Okay, yep, I can, I can, I can give you one of those, sir, because now I know what it is. Not because you know and you're schooled. Book knowledge, all that's good. I'm all for education. This is a new kind of education. It's the kind that you can't filter through this right here. It only comes through this right here or your liver or wherever you live in the world, whatever that is. Some of y'all understand that. So we are finishers and we are builders. 
We are finishers and we are builders. And the, within the same time frame, the Father showed me and brought to me the revelation of angels. Now, you guys know, I like angels. They're great, right? There's angels in the Bible, all kinds of angels. The Father uses angels. They're real. They're not some fake little, and some of them, you know, they don't have the wings. They're, they're forms. They're, they're angelic hosts. There's things that are sent to minister to you, help you, prepare the way for you. There's lots of resources that are given from the heaven. So I'm into angels. I, I was like, okay, angels. But I never saw myself as one. I always saw an angel as something, you know, out there, wings, but I never saw myself as an angel. And this is scriptural. This is not something I'm just coming up with. But in scripture, and I don't have time to teach on this, I did with the ladies, but Haggai is described as the Lord's, oh boy, malach. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, M-A-L-A-K-H however that's pronounced properly. Haggai, the Lord's, that. Haggai, the Lord's angel, he was a messenger. He brought the good news. Then John was also described in scripture as an angelos or an angel. So there are angels in bodily form. Who knew? Well, if it's available, I want it. So how do I do this, right? In the same time frame, I'm doing something real spiritual, and I'm flipping through Facebook. Here I am. And there's a lady that I had um, been acquaintances with. What I remembered about her is she cooked for me. Because me and Steve, we had to travel a lot in the beginning, and I really didn't like it. And we ate out every meal, and, and I just thought, boy, people think this is so fun, and I, it's not fun at all. But this lady, every time we came through her town in Texas, she would make me food from her kitchen, and we would sit at her table, and I would eat a meal <laughs> and it was like, oh, and I'd get the recipe. <laughs> you know? She was just a wonderful cook. That's all I remembered of Christy. And, and she was a lovely pastor's wife, and I honored her. But we were Facebook friends. Who knew? A lot of them I don't really keep up with anymore. And the last time I talked to her was like 30 years ago. So I want you to understand this is not someone that I know real well at all. But in, her, in my feed is this, is this post from her, and she's talking about her husband that has been um, away on a business trip, come back, he got COVID, and now she has had to drop him at the hospital. So she finds herself in the parking lot just really in anguish. And so she's reaching out on Facebook for everyone to pray. As soon as I read it, it was different than any other day. I heard Holy Spirit say, you're assigned to this. And I was like, interesting. I don't know what that means, but I'm assigned to this. So I did what I knew to Oh, Father begin to pray, do what I knew to do. I knew I was assigned to Christy, to this man, Mark, that I did not know. I was assigned to the situation. And then I was like, oh, he's going to show me how this earth angel thing works, like how I become the one that brings the good news, how I can open some things up for her by the Spirit, only because I'm assigned 
Only because he said, you're assigned to this. You don't go assigning yourself to everybody's business. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there are things every day that you are assigned to as a son. You are a sent one. You are born again. You are in Christ. He is in you. There's limitless powers and things that you have access to that not everybody does. So we, we are assigned. Started the journey. I'm in my car. Real spiritual thing. But I began, I knew, I thought, I, I need to intercede over Mark right this minute. So I'm in my car. I think I was on the way to work. And I began to pray for him. And then I began to co-labor for him. And what I mean by that is I saw immediately, I saw a river. And I don't know if you should do this while you're driving. I made it fine to my destination. <laughs> Again, I'm, please don't hear what I'm not saying. But for me, I was in my car. And I, and I saw so clearly a river that was being released to Christy and Mark. And I began to see in the layers of the river was everything they needed for their journey. I knew it was a journey and I knew it was going to require some things, but every single thing that they needed was in this river of life. And now, it, now I have it. What do I do with it? Never have I done this before. I've prayed for people but I've just been given the answer for somebody. And I don't know her very well. So I thought, well, I'm going to message her on Facebook. And she's, she's got thousands of people. This girl's real prominent in the, in the church. Her, I'll just leave it at that. So she's, she's, you would know her, of her. So I thought, you know, I'll message her. She won't get it. But I have done my part. This is how my little small thinking is. So I'm like, hey, Christy, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Kim Parker. I, I came and ate your chicken spaghetti one time in Texas 30 years ago and <laughs> saw your post. And I began to tell her of the river. And I told her that everything she needed for this journey, everything her husband needed, was being supplied. And I gave her direction. Because I saw her focusing, the river was really wild, like it was crashing on things and turning this way and turning that way. It wasn't like this little peaceful stream. I mean, this thing was violent. So I knew it was important that she focus on him, not those rocks and things that were going to knock her around. So I don't even know if she's going to understand what I'm saying, but I'm releasing, I'm aligning myself to be the the M word in Hebrew, and the Angelos in Greek. And I want to be one the Father can trust to assign to things in the earth to get the work done. Like, let's get the job done. Let's be finishers, like he told me in January. So I, I did the little part, and then um, she responded. I couldn't believe it. Within five minutes, I had a little message from her, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh. And she had been saying, I'm getting the messages. I can't respond to everybody. So I did not think she would respond to me at all. And anyway, long story short, she identified me as a seer. She said, I remember you, and you're a seer. And I need somebody who can go into heaven and pull out the answer and bring it to me because I can't see I'm hurting. I'm in the parking lot. My husband is dying. They have not given me any good reports. 
They're packing him in ice. His fever's over 106. They said, go home. We'll let you know. And she said, now I'm in my car because I don't know where else to go. This is as close as I can get to him. And I need someone to help me. And she said, I received this word. And I received not only this word, but anything else you have to say to me, here's my phone number. Please let me know what you hear. So I was like, whoa, this is really fun and scary. Because <laughs> what if he dies, you know, and I'm sitting here saying he's going to live. But I knew he would live. I knew because I saw the river. I saw the end from the beginning. I saw it. Concentrics. And so I began to describe to her what that looked like. Well, being an earth angel is not something that is convenient. Christmas Eve comes. All my kids are coming over. I'm so excited. I'm cleaning, getting everything ready. I get a text, and I wanted to ignore it. <laughs> but I didn't because I was on assignment. Can you call me? Can you pray for me? I need you to pray for me. I need help. He's dying. He, need, he can't breathe. He can't this. He can't that. And I thought, she's smashing on those rocks, and that's what she's looking at. I got to call her. So I called her, and I, again, reiterated about the river. I never performed. This, that's important. I never, like, conjured up some major <laughs> beautiful thing to tell her. I always stayed right with what he gave me. He didn't give me anything but a river to this point. That's all I gave her. And so I just reiterated the truth, reiterated everything you need, Christy, you have. Everything Mark needs, he has. Well, he needs an ECMO machine. I think that's how you say it. Is that how you say it, Joe? And I didn't know what that was. Well, there's only so many in the whole United States, and they're all being used right now. So what did I do? I knew where the resources were. Hey, Rock Essential, Florida, we need this. Come on, let's get on it. Within hours, she had one. Then they were like, oh, I don't know. Can he be, can he be transported from where he is to, to the machine? I don't think he'll make it. He's not going to make it. Rock Essential, Florida, he's being transported. We need him to live. We need this thing. He lived. He got the machine. And I'm going to let you hear her testimony. I had her record it for you. But I want to tell you some of the key things from my perspective because her perspective is going to be different than my perspective. You understand what I'm saying? So being the messenger is a really cool place, and you see a lot of things, but um, it's so important that when you're on assignment that you stay aligned with what his word is, okay? And some things may catch you off guard like this. So I've joined my heart to Tamara's. In fact, some of the kids will call me Miss Tamara. I love it. I'm like, Yes. Got my glow on. But they see us as one. Some call her Miss Kim. This is just how it works. And it's beautiful. So I, when she has a, a dream in her heart for dying, I'm like, I'm in. Look, I don't know how to do that stuff. Alicia does, so I'll stand next to her. So I'm supporting her. Well, she had us come to practice, right? And so I aligned myself to serve her. I'm still on assignment, by the way. So we get to this one part of dying where she's um, having us just rest and just listen. Well, as soon as I closed my eyes, I found myself in Mark's lung. You heard me. <laughs> I was in the man's lung. So I'm laying there supporting the dream, 
But now I'm in Mark's lung. And, and I looked around his lung, and I saw what looked to me like white cauliflower stuff. And there was a rag in my hand. This is all happening right here during dine when we're laying there. So I'm, I'm, I began to wash his lung. And the white is going away. I go to the next lung, white, going, and it became pink. And I remember seeing the veins in his lung. So after I finished the cleaning, I, I kind of took a step back and I looked. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. They're being oxygenated again. And then Tamara said, now turn to your left side and tuck your hand. And I was like, oh. But it was as though she knew that I was busy about the father's business. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful, unexplainable moment for me. Had no, and I told him after it was over, because there was just a few people, I said, hey, there's like this white stuff in this guy's lung that I'm assigned to. And of course, one of our girls that works for us was there, and I was like, oh, she's probably going to quit Monday. <laughs> Be like, she needs to go to a padded room somewhere. Um, but I, it was just, it wasn't weird, even though it sounded kind of strange. It wasn't strange. And so do you know that I went, again, back to Facebook, because that's how I would keep a, a tally on how he was doing. She said, I have a great report. They x-rayed Mark's lungs. And normally, they would be lined in white. I was like, oh, I did not know this. I did not have, and that's why Yahweh uses me, because I don't know. And, and anyway, all the white was gone. And I believe that day was the day he came off of everything. He came, they took the little ventilator out, took the machine off of him, everything gone. Hallelujah. And so how amazing is that? Like it's real. Like this is evidence. This is evidence. I'm bringing to you evidence, like tangible evidence of the supernatural at work. And this is the invitation to you. Like it's not for Kim Parker. I'm going to cash in on it, believe me. I, I love this stuff. But this is for you. you. You are being called on to be an earth angel. You're being called on to have the answer, to be the answer, to release your word to the day. It's amazing. And I know that there will be those that will be healed, delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I say yes, I say yes, 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 and yes. Hallelujah. So earth angel, who knew? So we are sent ones. We're born again. We're messengers. And we're on divine assignments. So I hope all of that is clear. I really wanted that to be um, super clear. I also want you to know real quick that Tav was introduced to me. This is going to sound crazy too, but there are, there are living letters in Hebrew. They're, they're living letters that are holy. And um, one of them is called Tav. So Tav was brought to me and I didn't know but Tav, and it's, he's the 22nd. So when you were saying two this morning at the same time, when I was like, he's all over the place. But Tav is a finisher. And let me explain to you about Tav. Tav is in the shape of a cross. 
Okay. So when Christ, see Yahweh is so cool, like everything makes sense. So when Christ was brought to the cross, he didn't see a piece of wood. He saw the Tav. So he knew I'm to, Tav is the finisher, not the end. So he knew I'm finishing this, but I'm entering into that. I'm crossing over. So we can engage the Tav. We can be finishers and we can be builders. Like beginning and endings, not endings, finish. I got to keep that right. It's not the end. It's not the end. It is a finish and they unite and it's a beautiful thing and you're right in the middle of that. You're right in the middle of the finish and the beginning striking hands. There you are, right there in the Tav. Yes. Amen. So Tav was introduced to me, and when I, when I heard, and I'll tell you where he was introduced just really fast, is w- one of those trips that I took with my husband. So one of the men that he's related to, that he was sent to, that he was assigned to, when, there was an exchange that day. And we brought our seed, and Steve began to speak to him. But then he began, he's very fluent in science, and he has unlocked some mysteries He's meeting with some really high officials and people of influence in our country that uh, he will soon be partnering with. This is a, a secret that will be revealed soon. I'll let my husband do that. But we were with him. Didn't know any of that. We didn't go because we heard he had some great invention and we wanted to be associated with that. Yahweh said go. And we took him some things that day. And then he, in turn began to speak. And a lot of it, me and Steve, our eyes were going, because we do not understand. And this is folding in on itself. And this is multiplying this way and that. And he's just talking science. Great. Creating. Whoa. Unlocking stuff. And so, and, and really redeeming some elements back to the Father. It's just way above our pay grade. So we were just like, we're just normal, you know, stuff. So, but he took us into his sanctuary, and he had the living letters are like on his wall, part of their decor. And he, w- he was just talking to us. He's like, like the Tov. The Tov is the finisher. And as soon as he said that, like everything in me just stood up. And I thought, okay, I've come to receive this. And I have been, when the Father gives you a gift, you honor that. You know, you don't just cast it aside. So I have honored the Tav, and I have seen that it has come. He has come. The Tav has come. The finisher, the cross through, has come to give me better understanding of the function of this house at this time. Does that make sense? So it's not like do-do-do-do-do. It is real. It, 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 like, produces things you can put your hand on, like what I'm about to play for you. So we finished some things, me and Christy. We finished some things together. As the messenger, I positioned myself in Christ, allowed the river to flow through me, allowed him to take heaven's response to that situation and deliver it into the earth and bring hope and peace and joy and healing. He's a miracle. The doctors are calling him miracle man. Like that's what they call this guy. So, and I've never met him. I may never meet him. I don't even care if I meet him. It was just so fun to be connected to the answer, to pull it into the earth. And so I bring that testimony to you, saying and exhorting you, you know, don't just come and hear like, okay, we're getting outside the walls, yay, next week, yay, we're getting outside the walls, oh, we're going to go to the park. I'm giving you, I'm giving you a pathway 
for you to begin to exercise. Kind of like a dime. We're going to stretch this way. So from now on, in your day, tomorrow, when you wake up, think to yourself, what am I assigned to? Now, I'm not saying conjure things up and make things up. It's, it's not like that. you're going to know. I'm supposed to do this. And it could be as easy as I'm buying the guy behind me a coffee at the Dunkin' Donut line. You know, I'm going to bless them today. Let them know they're loved. You are just aware that the Father wants to move through you to serve others, not yourself. We're not going to focus anymore about all the things inconsistent and, and, and that haven't lined up and all, loss, hurt, woe is me. That's my stick part. <laughs> it's in love because here's where, you, here's where you are, everything you need to be in him. You just got to slide over just a little bit. And the things that seem so terrible will become those tools in your hand. I mean, you'll be able to take out some things with those that have been tormenting you. You take the tormentor and you begin to torment. It's amazing. It's supernatural. It's beyond your ability. You can't even do it without him. So the first step is positioned in him. Allow him to flow through you. And then the evidence. You bring the evidence to the churches. This is what you present to us. You come on Sunday or whenever, maybe he'll change it, who knows. Come on Wednesday morning <laughs> and you say, I, the church of Kim Parker, I have, I have brought evidence. I am a finisher. I am a finisher co-laboring with Tav and I have evidence to show the churches today that our God is above and beyond anything we could ever ask or think and he has caused the impossible to become possible for Mark. And I was on assignment and I am finished, and now I'm looking for my next one. Is that fun? I believe that's the first step to becoming the church. I believe that will make Steve real happy, because to me, we're kicking the chairs out, and we're walking, and we're moving, and we're flowing, and we're seeing, and we're hearing, and we're being, and, and it's causing, it's not some pretend thing. It's not like in the sweet by and by, you know, where you can't see it. These things are going to manifest. I'm telling you, money, riches, finances, they have been released. They are coming to couple with the things that are in your heart to carve that path to make it possible. But it's not so you can be rich. In fact, you may have to give it all away. Honestly, you need to position yourself that way. It comes, it's, it comes so it can flow through you. This river, I don't think you could put a price tag on this river that I just released. Uh, it, like everything you need was in it. If I was about me, I'd been like, thank you very much. Yeah, ooh, look at all this stuff I have. Wrong. And that's what I hear when we, when we are in that church seat. But when we cross over into him and we become the church and we become the living word and we become the answer... And it's new every day. For those of you who don't like the same thing every day, it's pretty fun tomorrow. I said, okay, I will. So I, I texted or messaged her, and it took her probably 12 hours to do this little recording. She was so nervous. And she, she would text me, sorry, we're recording it again. <laughs> and then it got into the evening. She said, 
I know, I want you to know, I know you need this sooner than later. <laughs> you know, little thing. I said, you just take your time. It doesn't matter. You just, well, I, what do you want me to say? Whatever's in your heart to say, Christy, just testify of his goodness. So know that this was a um, work for her. <laughs> and then she sent me another one. I hope you guys got that one too, that number two is actually her husband. And he said a few things um, to us. Yeah. And I have some pictures too. I don't know if it all worked out, but I'll let the guys take it from here. We good? Good. This is Christy. Chicken spaghetti and fudge flows from her. This is, oh, no, she's back there. This is her husband. Looking Christy Damon coming to you from freezing Dallas, Texas. Um, believe it or not, our temperatures are dropping like below zero in Texas. So I wish I was there with you guys. Um, Kim asked me to share a little bit about the miracle that God did for us over the past two months. So I'm going to start at the beginning and just try to hit some of the high points. Um, there's so much to this miracle, but um, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, my husband had a business dinner with four other people at the beginning of December, and unbeknownst to him, someone at the dinner had COVID and passed it on to him as well as one of his other co-workers. Um, everyone else got over it pretty quickly, but things did not go well for Mark. He had a normal course for several days, and we took all the medical precautions, antibiotics, steroids, um, and then the functional medicine route as well with ivermectin vitamin D, C, zinc, turmeric, as well as um, even doing IV vitamins. So we started turning a corner and even went a full day with just like a low-grade fever. So we really thought he was on um, the path to healing. But on day seven, he woke up and his fever just skyrocketed. And um, that was the beginning of the spiral. So on day eight, he woke up and was just gasping for breath. So I knew then that things were not good. I took him to the hospital and I just remember even packing a small bag just in case they kept him overnight. Of course, we had no idea what was ahead for us or how quickly he was going to deteriorate. Um, when we got to the hospital, he was immediately put on oxygen because he was in acute respiratory distress. Within a very short amount of time, they had to put him on the CPAP machine because the oxygen wasn't enough to sustain his saturation. And even with that, he was just exhausted and just couldn't breathe. Um, he would just gasp trying to get the smallest breath, but, you know, neither one of us wanted to put him on the ventilator because in our minds, if you go on the vent, you don't come back. So they started on high antibiotics, antivirals, and I also requested the convalescent plasma. But within 48 hours, his fever shot up to almost 106. And I'll never forget the day when the doctor called and said that he needed to be put on a ventilator. And my heart just absolutely sank. And I just couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, he had walked into the ER on Saturday afternoon, and on Monday they were intubating him and putting him on a vent. So I obviously couldn't see him or be with him, so I just felt so helpless. And all the worst-case scenarios started playing out in my mind because we'd personally known so many people who'd recently just passed away from COVID. But I was just so heartbroken. Um, we have such a love story from God's hands just filled with brokenness from our past, um, but such incredible redemption from the Lord. And I tell people that Mark is just truly my Boaz. Um, the nurse told me when they were going to intubate him, they would get it all ready, and she would FaceTime me right before it happened so I could talk with him, which was so important to me because I knew the reality that it could be the very last time I ever talked to him again. But I didn't get a chance to because as soon as they hung up 
from me that he started to crash and was going into total respiratory failure. And they even had the crash cart ready because they said they truly had minutes before they would have lost him. So luckily they were able to get him intubated. Um, they were able to finish and the nurses tried to assure me that this was good for him, that it was gonna allow his lungs to rest so that they could heal. And I tried to be reassured, but it was just still so surreal. I just kept asking myself, how in the world are we here? And how did we get here so fast? Um, it just all went so south so quickly. So they also placed a feeding tube in his stomach. And then uh, the conversation started to shift to just the long-term journey that was ahead of us. So this was on December 21st. So when they told me how dire things were, and how he needed the vent, I knew I needed to hear from God. Uh, fear just sees me. Um, let's just be honest. God is sovereign. All of our days are numbered. God says his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts than our thoughts. So it can be easy sometimes for us to cherry pick scriptures, to find a verse that's going to reassure us or be what we want to happen that may not be in line with God's plan. And when that happens, I think we can step over the line from faith to presumption. And I knew that the heart of God was good. I knew that the goodness of God is not an outcome issue. Um, because if we base the goodness of God on our perception of the outcome, whether that be good or bad, that places our opinion above his deity and our understanding above his sovereignty. But if you receive revelation, you just get that fresh manna from heaven you can join with that word and stand regardless of what's going on around you. And so I knew at that moment I needed a word, but I just couldn't get my heart to settle. My mind, my emotions were all over the place. And I just couldn't discern what the Father was saying regarding Mark's specific situation. And so um, I just remember praying, you know, Lord, I need to hear from you. What are you doing here? Do I need to relinquish? Do I need to rest? Do I need a war? Um, I know you're with me and, and you'll be with me whatever path you want me to walk. But I just need to know what stance I need to take in this situation. And I just want to hear from you. And I remember sitting in the parking lot and I felt a nudge that said, contact Kim Parker. Now, Kim and I had not been actively in each other's lives since we were much younger in ministry, probably in the early 90s. Um, we were Facebook friends, but weren't actively communicating, even though, you know, I've always thought the world of her. But I felt that same nudge. And um, so when everything was crashing and he was put on the vent, I just became desperate. And I acted on that nudge and reached out to Kim. And I think my message was something so pathetic, like, Kim, please pray. I need a word. I need peace. Just help me. And uh, she was so faithful. And, of course, she did that for me. And the next morning, she sent me the most powerful word I received through this whole ordeal. And God showed her that there was a powerful river flowing to Mark and I that was a river of life a very powerful river that just had everything we needed and that it was for us, not against us. And it was full of strength and every resource we needed. And she exhorted me just to shift my focus on him and not the circumstances around me. And that he would, you know, he'd made a pathway for me that would open as I started to focus on him and not what was, what was going on, what was going on around me. So at the time, it was such a life-giving word, and my spirit just resonated with it. So I just sunk my spiritual teeth into it. And I remember printing it off, and I kept it in my Bible, and I took it with me every day to the hospital. And I would just spend hours in the parking lot just seeking the Lord and um, reading verses, reading over that word, just holding on to it. And I completely secluded myself, not because I 
was trying to intentionally push people away or not appreciate the support of those around me, but I just knew I needed to shut myself away, just me and the Lord, because the circumstances around me were just too crazy and so dire. And I knew I had to keep my focus shifted on Him. Um, And for me, that meant not talking to people, not getting on social media, not researching COVID on the internet, not hearing other people's opinions, because if I did that, I would get in my mind and emotions. And um, I've heard it said before that storms in the ocean are mainly on the surface. And if you go deep into the ocean below the surface, the waters are calm. And that is what I, I felt like I had to do in the spirit to go deep to get out of the waves. Because anytime I left that place, the waves, uh, the circumstances would just knock me over. And I just, it would, it would just, I couldn't breathe. So, but I remember as I was just kind of in this place of just with the Lord, communing with the Lord, I was in the parking lot and they had given me Mark's possessions, one of which was his wedding ring. And I was carrying, I was wearing it on a chain around my neck. And I was in the, in the parking lot, just driving around the hospital, praying, worshiping. And I pulled into a parking place and I lifted Mark's ring to my lips and I kissed it. And I remember saying out loud, laughing, Mark is coming home. And of course, little did I know what was about to transpire, but that was a very pivotal day for me because that was the day that it was settled in my spirit. So December 23rd, Mark's doctor called me and said that the ventilator wasn't enough to support him and they needed to place him on a waiting list for an ECMO machine, which was basically life support, and that that was his last shot. And I knew that from a friend who is a COVID researcher, how rare that ECMO machines are and that there's a chance there might not ever be one available. I know a lot of people die on waiting lists waiting for the machines, but the doctor told me that if he got on one, there was a small chance there might be one in Temple, Texas, which was several hours away from us, but that wasn't guaranteed. So I sought the Lord for the miracle of this machine and started worshiping him and just resting and trusting. And um, I heard it said one time that bold faith rests on the shoulders of quiet trust. And so I just kept trying to stay in that place of trust. And um, I told the Lord that I trusted him and that I knew he'd gone ahead of us and that he would um, He would make a path for us. But it, it was a battle. I mean, I had to be so intentional to stay in that place. But God luckily worked a miracle on our behalf. And within two hours, a machine came available. And not only did one come available, it was 20 minutes from our house. And it was at one of the best hospitals in the country. So God is so good. He just provided just what we needed at just the right time. And there's a whole story behind that that I won't get into, but God truly gave us favor. But one thing that happened when we were, he was going to be transported, the weather did not cooperate. He was supposed to be transferred via helicopter. And the chief medical officer of the hospital, who was a Christian and we'd gotten acquainted with him, allowed me to see Mark because they had to transport him via ambulance and um, he was very contagious. They weren't letting family members around, and nor were they letting patients come up to ambulances. But he allowed me, as they loaded Mark onto the ambulance, to spend just a few minutes with him. That was the first time I had seen him, and God just gave me favor at that moment. So there in that ambulance bay, I was able to speak speak the word over him, lay my hands on him. I anointed him with oil. I prayed for him. And I was able just to express my love and appreciation to him. And I just knew that that was a gift from God that wasn't available to everybody. So uh, within a day, they also, just to move along, they also did a tracheotomy on him. 
Um, they said that was something that he was going to need since this was going to be such a long journey. Um, also that day, I just remember being in the parking lot and God spoke to me as I was praying and said, don't come to me as a beggar, come to me as my bride. And that day I chose to stand in the place of just God's delight, knowing that his heart was good and that he loved me and that he was going to hear, hear my prayers and he was going to make a way. So as the days went by, I was just hanging on every statistic, every x-ray lab result. He held steady, but there was no real improvement. And they would adjust the ECMO settings by like five point increments. Some days we would go up five points, then back down, then we'd go up 10, then back down five. So it was always this step forward and back constantly, but it never really moved just a whole lot. So I was grateful he was stable, but I just wanted to see a breakthrough. So I was reading the book of Daniel when Daniel fasted for 21 days, and the angel told him that his prayers were heard on day one, but it took 21 days to war in the heavenlies before the breakthrough came. So I know you can't put time limits on God, but I just remember sitting in my car and I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I would love if you would give us a breakthrough on day 21. I know you hear us and I'm so grateful he's holding steady, but I just want to see some improvement. So I looked on my calendar and day 21 was New Year's Eve. So I just kind of held that to myself and told some family members and just kind of watched to see what God would do. And on New Year's Eve, that was the first time that the doctor came in that morning and his blood levels were trending up. He had no complications with organ systems that the other COVID patients that were on ECMO had had, no blood clots. And the doctor said for the first time, I am cautiously optimistic. So he had a stable day that day, but right before midnight on the 21st day, I called up to the floor and they had lowered his ECMO 10 points, which was a huge jump and within another couple of hours had lowered it another 10 points. So I was praising the Lord that we had our 21-day miracle, that God was with us. He'd answered our prayer, but it just got even better because by the evening of the next day, which was January 1st, they had dropped it another 10 points to the level that they keep it at to see if a patient can even get off ECMO. And that was just a miracle. No one at the hospital could believe it. They called him Miracle Mark or Miracle Man is what people called him. And so they told me to plan on him being on ECMO up to three months. He was removed on January 5th after 13 days. Praise the Lord. Um, the next part of the journey consisted of getting his lungs strong enough to get off the ventilator. I was told that he would be on the vent for months. Um, they were taking x-rays of his lungs every day. Um, every time I would check, there was no change. So on the x-rays, his lungs would look white. If They were looking for pockets of black, which meant air, but every day his lungs were white. And I'll never forget one morning getting a, getting a Facebook message from Kim, and she was praying for Mark, and as she was interceding for him, found herself inside Mark's lungs, and she said she could see white. And she began to scrub the white off his lungs until they were pink and clean, and she didn't know what that meant at the time, but that evening I had posted a Facebook prayer request for people to pray for his lungs to clear and explained about the whole lungs looking white thing on the x-ray. So when she read that, she messaged me and shared what she saw. And I just had goosebumps as I read her message and just couldn't believe God's goodness to us and that he was truly providing a path for us. So I'm not going to say the journey back was easy, but every day he continued to get better and better. They told me he would be on the vent for months, but it took weeks. They said he would have the trach for six months and possibly the rest of his life, and it was out before he left the hospital. They said he would be inpatient rehab for months, and he walked out in four days. 
Um, they said he could have long-term damage to various organ systems, but so far has checked out fine with every doctor. Uh, the doctor, nurses, therapists, everybody are all amazed because he had a 1% chance of survival without the ECMO and a 40% chance with it and told me, you know, all sorts of complications he probably would have. And if you saw him right now, you would never know he was on life support a little over a month ago. And he's been home from the hospital now about a week, but his recovery has been exponential. But, you know, why wouldn't it be? God's river of life has just been so powerful to Mark, to me, and just that word that came from Kim that was truly so life-giving and I know was directly from his throne to, to our lives. And so one, things I, one of the things I've said along the way, and I'll say it again because it's just so true, that when God breathed his life into Mark, he took my breath away because I'm just in awe of our wonderful God and just how grateful we are for those who stood with us. So I'll let Miracle Mark say a few words now. Miracle Mark doesn't speak as near as long. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you can play it. Hello, everyone at Rock of Central Florida. As you heard the testimony from Christy, it's a pretty amazing journey the Lord had in store for us. And as a participant in this story, I have very little to do with the outcome as I was sleeping through most of it. But what I can say as a survivor and the beneficiary of hundreds, if not thousands, of prayer warriors is that the power of prayer is real and, and God is great. And obviously all the glory goes to him. It's, it's when, I, when, when Christy and I look back at all the timely events that fell into place for me to survive it's, it's just a true testimony of, of God's favor and his will. Christy was absolutely amazing through all of this. She was a prayer warrior. She was a bulldog at the hospital to ensure my care was a priority. And she held up the fort at home with our kids and finances. And what's special about this is everyone got to witness why I love this woman unconditionally and just how much she loved me and still loves me. Um, we are truly soulmates, and we have a love story to live out with God's blessing. And I probably will never have the pleasure of meeting any of you, um, but I sure want to thank you personally for your prayers and support. God truly moved mountains for me, and for that I will always be eternally grateful. And I want to give a special thanks to Kim for sharing her message from the Lord and being an inspiration to my healing. Hallelujah. It's real. It's real. So I give the Father is assigned all the glory. This is amazing. And like he said, we probably will never meet him. You know, and she had the story a little messed up, but that's okay. She's been through a lot. <laughs> she didn't call me. I left her the message, but it didn't matter. But I, again, want to encourage you as you leave today to see yourself as a messenger of the Father. Who has he assigned to you? Who's in your river that I'll never know or get to? Find your place. Find your people. Find your assignments. And then when we gather again, when we come back together again, bring your evidence. Put it in front of us. Show us. Show us. This is tangible evidence of the supernatural healing. 
that flows and is available as we align with him. So Rock of Central Florida churches, <laughs> I bless you today. I consider it an honor to be able to release to you today. I feel like we have accomplished much in our meeting, and I do believe the Father is pleased. I believe that um, each one of you will leave from this place assigned, ignited, not trading on the floor of lack, not speaking to demons. Don't give them your breath. Speak of him. Glorify him everywhere you go, everything you do. And let's be something that Central Florida has never seen before. Amen. Father, we honor you. And we say it is finished. We honor the Tob. This meeting is finished. Into new beginnings we go. And we thank you for the day. We thank you for the opportunities. I bless every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father, that they have limitless potential, that you have put in them opportunities for others to taste of. And I declare that they'll begin to walk according to heaven, that they'll begin to hear according to heaven, see according to heaven, and that there'll be an extension of you to this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.